0: We're going down. read one verse the book of Isaiah chapter 54 verse 2 and it says this enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out do not hold back this is the year no more holding back lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes this verse is a call to action It's a call to deepen our faith, strengthen our commitment, move beyond our comfort zones, push our limits, and expand our territories. I want to stretch your faith today wide enough to encompass not only what you can see with your physical eyes, but I want you to see with your spiritual eyes what God is going to do in your life in 2024. And this is what I'm going to preach today on this topic. This is y'all. This title, get ready. You're going to fall out. I'm telling you. Don't know how I came up with this. I'm going to preach on this for a little while. Increasing capacity. Yeah, I'm telling you. That's all I got. That's it. If you came looking for revelation, that's all I got today. That's all I got today. But I'm going to help somebody. I need you to stay with me through the first part of this message. It's going to get tight in here some of you may feel like pastor you shooting shots at me i'm not i'm talking to myself and i'm giving you what the lord has given me but we have to break through ourselves today to get to where god wants us to be we've got to break through it there's some things that we got to call out and say you know what i've got to deal with it because i want god to use me greater in 2024 if you will lift your voice with me one more time god i need you today need your power today help me to preach your word teach your word god Help your word to find good ground, help it to produce in people's lives. This is a great group of people. God, I'm so honored and blessed to be a part of this church body. Let us leave here challenged, encouraged, and knowing that you want to do more in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Give the Lord one more hand clap of praise. You may be seated. A.W. Tozer said this, the widest thing in the universe is not space. It is the potential capacity of the human heart. Being made in the image of God, it is capable of almost unlimited extension in all directions. What Tozer is saying is is that God built us with the capacity to grow, to increase. He goes on to say, in one of the world's greatest tragedies, is that we allow our hearts to shrink until there is room in them for little besides ourselves. He said the heart has the capacity to increase, but it also has the capacity to shrink to where all that's in our heart is me, 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 me. Selfishness can creep into our hearts quickly. And we need to understand that the dangers of a self-absorbed life are manifold and pervasive. Proverbs 18:1 through 2. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. All they want is what they want. Look what it says, he breaks out against all sound judgment. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. How do I know if I'm becoming more selfish? Because we all have a tendency to be selfish. Don't lie. Don't say I'm the most selfless person in the world. You're lying right now. Stop it. Every one of us in this place has a tendency for it to be about me, to be selfish. But how do I know how to gauge Am I being a little bit too selfish? Here it is. If you express your opinion, but you don't care to understand somebody else's opinion. You just want to tell people how you feel, but you don't want, you don't want to listen to anything. You don't care about what they think and what they feel. James 3 15 through 16. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. My boy James, he said it's 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 unspiritual. But it's demonic to be so selfish that you don't care about what anybody else says. Verse 16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder and every vile practice. It's a life where the individual becomes the center of their own universe. And everything else orbits around them. Their desires, needs, and wants take precedence over everything else causing spiritual stagnation because we lose sight of our relationship with God. When people are self-absorbed, they start to neglect their spiritual disciplines like prayer and Bible study and faithfulness to the kingdom. Winning souls and making disciples no longer matter because they are too busy pursuing their own interests. They don't care about the interests of the kingdom or the king of the kingdom. It's their own interest. After all, self-absorbed people don't care about the needs and feelings of others. They become insensitive to their struggles and fail to offer the support and encouragement they need, leading to strained relationships and sometimes complete isolation, which will lead to spiritual drought where they feel disconnected from God in the church, always feeling entitled, like everyone owes them something and completely unsure of their purpose. That's what self-absorption does to us. It pulls us away, it isolates us, it makes us feel entitled because we think somebody owes us something. And if the church isn't going the direction we think it should go, we haven't prayed about it, haven't opened up the Word of God, haven't talked to anybody, but if it's not going the way that we think it should go, then all of a sudden we disconnect and we pull back because we are self-absorbed. But I want to preach to somebody, this is a distorted view of reality. And it will limit our capacity. But I need somebody to wake up today. Because when we get outside of ourselves and invest in the kingdom and contribute to others, we really begin to live. When we find out it's not all about me, it's about others. I don't need to always be the one getting fed. I need to go help make sure somebody else is being fed, taken care of. Look, anybody can be a complainer. That's proven. Anybody, you can just sign up and say I'm a complainer. But it takes a committed person to be a builder because something isn't built overnight. It takes time. you got to stay with it. you got to be faithful. you got to show up every day. And here's a revelation I want us to get. Unselfishness is its own reward. Why? Because it's not dependent on the response of others. I don't serve because I want somebody to pat me on the back and tell me how good I am. I don't serve because I need somebody to tell me, oh, you the greatest thing ever happened. Nope, 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 I'm not. And if you feel that way, then when I let you down, then I'm going to be the worst thing that ever happened. I don't, I don't serve for those reasons. I serve because I've learned that it's beneficial to my life and it brings joy to my life when I understand it's not always about me. This is the principle by which the Apostle Paul lived. He said, I will gladly spend myself and all I have for you. Paul said, I'll give everything for you. I'll be spent. I'll serve. I'll do what needs to be done. But watch what he says. Even though it seems that the more I love you, the less you love me. Paul said, I'll serve. I'll be there for you. But it seems the more, the more I love you, the less you love me. But Paul understood it's not about the applause of the people. It's about is God satisfied with what I'm doing? is god satisfied with how i'm acting am i carrying out his purpose you see of all the qualities we can pursue unselfishness seems to make the biggest difference toward cultivating other virtues yes it goes against the grain of human nature but if we can learn to think unselfishly and become a giver it becomes easier to develop other virtues such as gratitude love respect patience and discipline don't go to somebody and say hey Did you lose my number? You haven't called me in a long time. I'm I'm talking to somebody. Hey, where you been? I haven't heard from you at all. No, I I don't need to go to anybody and say that because I'm looking to call somebody and text somebody and tell somebody I care. I'm looking because if I have that attitude, then I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to show love, respect, patience, and discipline. I'm not self-absorbed. So if the enemy has been trying to trap you, today is the day you break out. I've shown up to preach until somebody gets out of depression, discouragement, loneliness, insecurity, selfishness, and entitlement. you got to get ready. There is more for your life than just existing for yourself. God wants to expand your faith and show you the joy of serving others and advancing his kingdom. There's a calling today for someone to make room for God to use them greater in 2024. You see, this whole thing started with God filling capacity. When God formed Adam out of the dust of the earth, he created capacity. He made him with lungs so that he would have something to feel because God feels capacity. When the widow was about to lose everything, including her sons, the Bible says the prophet told her, go borrow vessels and don't borrow a few. And as long as there was vessels in the house, there was a constant, consistent flow of oil. But when there was no more capacity, when there was no more vessels, the oil stopped. And maybe, maybe today, if your life has been spiritually dry, maybe it's you don't have the capacity for the oil that God wants to put in your life. When God made the tabernacle, he filled it with furniture. When he made the holy of holies, he filled it with glory. When he made the day of Pentecost, he filled it with the Holy Ghost. Wherever there is capacity, God will work. And I wanna to know today is there anybody that showed up on this first Sunday of 2024 that says, I'm making more room in my life for God to use me and do something special? My family's gonna be saved. My neighborhood's gonna be one. My school is gonna be one. My community, my, I'm making room today. Making room today. Look, I know you may be blessed. But if you want God to take you to the next level, I want you to throw your hands in the air for, the, for a moment. And I want you to give God some praise and say, God, I'm making room today. God, I'm making room today. God, I'm, I'm increasing my capacity today. You can be used powerfully. You're not done. You just got to act on faith. You need to go look again. You need to reach again. You need to try again because there's more in 2024. got to create capacity because it's the prerequisite to what's next and here's why in an unrestricted economy when supply overtakes demand a surplus will result causing deflation (coughs) now i know in the united states of america we need some deflation (laughs) if you're tired of inflation shout amen tired of it good news is it's election year so gas prices will probably go down Don't remember what, don't forget what it was like before we got to this year. I'm, I'm, I got to get off of that right quick. But I, can I say in the church we don't need deflation? Deflation is not a supply problem; it's a demand problem. He has more than enough. The Bible says, "Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, we do not have a supply problem; we have a demand problem." And I think the reason so many people are deflated is because he wants to give you more than you have the capacity to receive. When's the last time you said, I'm ready, God? Give me all the blessings you have for me, all the favor, all, everything you got. I want it right now. I'm creating capacity exceedingly and abundantly means there is no limit to what he can do. He said, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. The psalmist said, my cup is overflowing. That's what he said. My cup is overflowing. Give and it will be given back to you. Press down, shaken together. I don't know what that means, but you know what I think? Take a Coke, a Cola, shake it up, open the can. What happens? That's what the Lord wants to do in the church. He wants us to be so full of his power that it's just running over in every aspect of our life. Everybody that comes in contact with us, man, what happened to you? you just, I've been creating capacity. I've been increasing capacity. He can still make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God is able to restore years to the calendar. I'm telling you, he is able. I don't understand it. I'm not God, but he can take the years you thought you lost and give them back to you. And you're like, man, it's better than it's ever been. That's what type of God he is. We don't have a supply problem. We have a demand problem. There was a little girl who grew up in an impoverished farming family back in the 1930s. They had one worn-out cow. That was it. And most of the milk and dairy products were sold for them to be able to live. They would only retain a little of the milk for their own consumption and would even water down the milk. Anybody ever water down your milk? I've never done that. Anybody in the house? My Lord. Never done it. I'm not really much on milk, but I don't think I'd water it down, but they had to. They were struggling. They watered down the milk, stretch out as far as it could. Each evening, the mother would get home and would pour one quarter, one quart of the watered down milk into a mason jar. And on the jar... She would draw lines going down the jar. And they would sit around the table for dinner. And they would take that, I'm not going to be a part of that family. They would take that one mason jar and they would pass it down. And one person would drink down to their line. And then they would pass it down to the next person. And they would drink down to their line. And they would pass it down to the next person. And they would drink to their line. Couldn't go past your line because. Everybody had to get a little bit of the water down, milk. One day, the little girl got very sick and was put into the hospital. She was kept overnight for observation. That evening, the, the nurse brought her out a big tray of food. And guess what was on that big tray of food? A big glass of ice-cold milk. The little girl looked at the glass, and she looked at the nurse. She said, where are the lines at? And The nurse, not understanding Wanted to know what the little girl meant. She said, what what do you mean? So the little girl explained how they could only drink to the next line at home so they would have enough for everyone to get a drink. And with tears in her eyes, the nurse looked back at the sickly little girl and said, Honey, there are no lines. There are no limits. You just drink and drink and drink and you drink all you want. And if that runs out, there will be more where that came from. We got an endless supply of milk. You've got to stop settling for just enough. You've only been drinking down to the line in the Holy Spirit and saying that's good. There is an endless supply. Take the lines off. Take the lid off and let God do something in your life. He's able today. Look, I don't care. I don't care how long one person stays at the altar. You're not gauging how long you stay at the altar by them. You're lingering for more. And sometimes in your life, you got to stay at the altar longer than somebody else because God's just drawing you to increase your capacity for the more he's getting ready to do. And I'm not just preaching to individuals here. I'm preaching to the river church corporately. A denominational church sent in an annual report that read like this. Number of members added by baptism, zero. Number of members added by letter, zero. Number of members dismissed by letter, five. Number of members that have died, Three, amount raised for home missions, zero. Amount raised for foreign missions, zero. The note at the bottom of the report read this, pray for us, brethren, that we continue faithful until the end. When a church gets into what I call survival mode, it's not healthy. We're not meant just to be surviving. We're meant to be growing and thriving and producing. Jesus said this in John 15, 1 through 2. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Guys, that's a strong scripture. He says, if you're not going to produce, I'm just going to take you away. That'll wake me up that I got to produce fruit. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. God's church is meant to produce fruit. And the prophecy in Isaiah was trying to tell us how God planned for the church to accomplish that growth. Look again, Isaiah 54 and 2, enlarge the place of your tent. Let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. Someone may ask the question today, how do you know this prophecy in Isaiah refers to the church? Well, two reasons. First, the previous chapter in Isaiah 53 dealt with Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. It's famous for the words that we recite every Easter, Isaiah 53, 4 through 6. Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was bruised, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. One of the reasons, and we look at this and we say it's powerful, but one of the reasons that Jesus died was to purchase the church. He purchased the church with his blood. Secondly, we know Isaiah 54 talks about the church because the New Testament tells us in Galatians 4 and 27, Paul quotes the first verse of this chapter. And he says that it prophesies the influx of Gentiles into the church. So the words in Isaiah 54 describes God's plan for the church to increase in capacity and make room for growth that's what it's saying it's saying there's coming all these new converts and all these people and all these babes in Christ I remember that when they were building this building it might have been 97 the end of 97 early 98 there was windows that went down we covered them up <clears throat> hope that didn't offend nobody if it did I'm sorry but we did we covered up the windows and you could peek in And when they were building this building a man one day came and he peeked into the windows of this church and he said man there is baby cribs everywhere he had a vision and he said there's there's baby cribs he said there's the the church is filled with new babes that's what paul is saying he's saying that that's what the first part of that verse is though that they those that didn't have children are going to have children he said the gentiles are going to come in that that people that are broken and abandoned and let down and tired and weary that they're going to come into the church but the church has to be willing to make room for them You know what shows me a healthy church? When everybody looks different. Because everybody, every one of us has a different story to tell. Somehow we got here, it was a different path, and we're here. And I don't want people to get here and say they don't have room for us. They don't love us. They don't care for us. So Isaiah 54 tells the woman, the church, to prepare based upon the promise that she will have children. She doesn't have the children yet, but she is to prepare for what God is getting ready to do. Because God intends for us to operate by faith and not by sight. I'm preparing. Y'all, I'm glad you're here, but you're not the only people that God's going to call here. They're coming from the north, the south, the east, and the west. They're going to come broken. They're going to come tired. They're going to come weary. But there's a church that has been praying and fasting and increasing capacity. But look, if they get here, if, if they get here and we're not ready and we're not maturing and growing to help them along, if if babes in Christ get here, born again of water and of spirit, and all we have is babes in Christ here, we in trouble. You don't leave two babies at home to watch each other. Hey, I know y'all know y'all don't understand what's going on, but y'all just y'all take care of each other. Mom and daddy will be right back. Straight to jail. That's where you're going. So, what I believe Isaiah is telling us is we can't be on the same level we are now because there are souls that's going to be added to the kingdom that we've got to be ready to open the word and say, hey, look, this is what you're doing. This is why you're doing it. Let me help you and lead you and guide you and direct you. Let me help you. Let let me talk to you a little bit. I, I know what you're going through. I've been there, but I've been increasing capacity. At some point, we've got to learn how to feed ourselves so that we can help feed other people. We've got to be ready for the harvest. A perfect example is the Shunammite woman in 2 Kings 4:8 through 17. One day, Elisha went on to Shunam, where a wealthy woman lived who urged him to eat some food. So whenever he passed that way, he would turn in there to eat food. And she said to her husband, behold, now I know that this is a holy man of God who is continually passing our way. Let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put there for him a bed, a table, a chair and a lamp so that whenever he comes to us, he can go in there. She said, let's increase our capacity. Let's add on. We don't have no children yet, but let's just make room. And what I love is she said, let's do it for him. When are we going to stop coming to church for ourselves? We're coming to church for Him. I'm increasing capacity for Him. And one day, one day he came there and he turned into the chamber and he rested there and he said to Gehazi, his servant, he said, call this Shunammite. And when he called her, she stood before him and he said to him, say now to her, see you have taken all this trouble for us. What is to be done for you? Would you have a word spoken on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army and she answered I dwell among my own people she's like I don't need that I'm doing it because it's right I'm increasing capacity because it's the right thing to do I don't need you to go tell anybody about who I am I don't need you to go tell anybody how this great thing that I've done for you I'm doing it because it's the right thing to do and he said what then is to be done for her and Gehazi answered well she has no son and her husband is old. Poor fella. You notice he didn't call the woman old. He knew. He was smart. Gehazi was a smart man. We probably wouldn't have made it to verse 15 if, if he would have said, well, she's old and her husband is old. Now nah, Gehazi knew. He knew. And he said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway. And he said, at this season, about this time next year, What would you increase in capacity if some things you've been praying for? He says, if you can endure for a season but increase capacity. She says, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, oh, man of God, do not lie to your servant. She said, quit playing games. If you're telling me a lie, stop it. But Verse 17, but the woman conceived and she bore a son about that time, the following spring, as Elisha had said to her. And it all started because she increased capacity. It all started because she made a little room for the supernatural. And there are people here. Brother Kyle and Sister Julie, I thought about you today. I thought about you. Trying to have a baby for all those years. And Brother Carbo gave them a word of prophecy and said, get ready. It's going to happen. Years went by. And what's the due date? Huh? May the 29th. If you increase capacity, if you'll keep on keeping on, if you'll say, I'm going to do the right thing, I haven't seen anything happen yet, but I'm making room, I'm not going to give up, I'm not going to get bitter, I'm not going to get angry, I'm going to make room. I've got to hurry, I've got to hurry. This is this is This is foreign to this generation because this generation wants to subtract as much as they can I told my son I said bud you want to do is just as, barely enough to get by and I, I think that has creeped into the church to where we said don't add anything don't add more prayer more fasting more holiness more discipleship don't add more Bible reading don't add any of that just take away If we take away, we're going to miss out on what God wants to do. God gets excited about somebody that says, I'm not going to do barely enough. I'm going to do more more than enough. I'm not going to do just enough to get by. I'm going to do more. So one day, one day, this little boy, she says, go out and work with your dad. And he goes out, and he's working with dad in the field. And I guess it was hot because the Bible said he died of a heat stroke. And the father did what any good father would do. He brought the boy back to the mother. That's what he did. He brought the boy back to the mother. And what did the mother do? The mother took that promise that she had up to that increased capacity spot that she made, that little chamber, and she laid that dead promise on that bed. Let me say this. That woman is representation of the church because we are the bride of Christ. And God is trusting that people are going to be brought here and carried. They're not going to look like you, talk like you, or act like you. But God is trusting that we've got a place to set them on so that they can live, spiritually speaking. This woman goes and gets the prophet. And the rest of the story is this. The prophet goes into that little chamber. And that boy is resurrected from the dead. All because one woman increased capacity. What we do today can impact the next generation. If this generation says I'm going to do barely enough. The next generation is going to do less than that. But if we'll do more. Hey we have in prayer Monday and Tuesday night. 630. Here at the church, we're not praying just to pray. We're praying because we're increasing capacity. Because somebody's going to be carried in here next Sunday that may not have any hope left. And there has to be a place. (laughs) Let me prophesy. Many will be brought here with no hope. They're at the end of their rope and feel like it's over. But they'll show up to a place which has room for them to be healed and restored. Your family, your neighbors, your parish, your community. We're making room. I am thankful for the 76 people baptized in Jesus' name in 2023. I'm thankful for the 20 or so filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time. Many renewed. I am thankful. But do you know why we're doing two services? We probably could fit everybody in here today. Probably. For 9-11. But you know why we're doing two services? Because I want God to know. I'm not going to do just enough. We're going to do more than enough. Look, look, look at this great community that we have that God is bringing in. Do you know why we invested in a closed caption system? Look, that's not cheap. That's not just a TV. We don't come and watch Netflix on that during the week. That's a closed caption system so people that have hearing impairments can come to this place and get fed the word of God. Do you know why we started a Spanish church? Because we want to increase capacity. We want God to know we're not done. We want to make room for everybody. Listen, do you know why? you know why we're doing School of Discipleship? I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. Don't gripe about discipleship if you're not doing anything to help disciple people. If you don't care about the babes in Christ that are coming in here enough to love on them and share the word of God to them, don't tear them down. Let God do what God does and trust that we're putting things in practice to help people disciple and grow and find out what the word of God says. That's what we're called to do. That's why we're doing school of discipleship and gospel classes, and, and we hosted a deaf conference, and and we have revived recovery ministry on Thursday night. We feed people every Thursday night. And brother Ralph, we don't take up one offering, do we? You know why? Because we have to increase capacity to help people and we're not stopping in 2024 we're getting ready to go fishing again we're getting ready to catch more souls we're getting ready to help more people we're getting ready and i'm done musicians you can come luke paints the scene to make one imagine a typical seashore sand gleaming in the sun water dark blue against the lighter sky two fishing boats drawn up with sails down and And men on the shore just got done cleaning their nets. They fished all night, and they didn't catch nothing, so they're cleaning their nets. They're making sure that these nets are clean. They got to get them ready, get them ready for tomorrow. And all of a sudden, the master shows up, and he uses the two boats as a pulpit. And he begins to preach to the people. And then all of a sudden, he looks at the fishermen. He said, launch out into the deep. Can you imagine? They fished all night and didn't catch anything. And the master is here saying, launch out into the deep. And we love to use this analogy of launching into the deep. And I'm not much of a fisherman, but I can tell you what I did have growing up, a Snoopy riding reel. Anybody else have one of those? My grandpa had a pond. Mom and daddy got me a, a Snoopy. That's the only riding reel I ever had. Matter of fact, If I still had it, and you ask me to go fishing, that's what I'm bringing with me. That's all I had. And it was good for Grandpa's pond. I never caught anything on it. I think if you look, it comes with a fake fish to make sure that you feel like. It was good. My grandpa had a shallow pond. I don't know who dug it, but they didn't dig the pond deep enough, and that's what we had. But this Snoopy rod and reel will not work if i go fishing in the mississippi river i'm telling you some of you would would call somebody to come get me and help me if you saw me in the mississippi river fishing with a snoopy rod and reel don't lie you would why because the depth is different that can't reach the fish in the mississippi river now if i go down to the gulf of mexico And I bring this Snoopy Rod and Reel, it's not going to work going deep sea fishing. It's not. Why? Because at some point the demand requires a greater capacity than a Snoopy Rod and Reel. And we can't have a Gulf of Mexico harvest with a Snoopy Rod and Reel commitment. We can't say we want this great harvest and we still fishing with a Snoopy Rod and Reel. We've got to go deeper than we've ever gone before. And watch this. The mechanisms are the same. But the capacity to handle the depth and weight of the harvest is different. And God wants to know if you're ready for an increase. I'm not talking about casual. I'm not talking about going through the motions. I'm talking about water on your job. There's going to be water in your home. There's going to be water in our community. There's going to be water. Water is representation of the church. I'm talking about everywhere we go is going to be harvest. God's going to be blessing and anointing and using Launch into the deep. Launch into the deep. If you're going to have that, you have to be willing to launch into the deep. And this is what the Holy Spirit told me. And you listen to me. Brandon, listen to me. He told me this in prayer. He said, where generational curses used to be passed down, I'm setting it up today that if they'll go to the deep, I'm going to put a generational blessing on them. That will not stop with them, but it's going to be passed down to their children. And... Somebody needs to say, I'm ready to go deeper. I want that blessing. I want that favor. I want whatever God has for me. Listen, listen, let's stand. Let's stand, stand with me. Can I close this thing out? I want to help somebody. When you go out into the deep and you start fishing, there's some days you're not going to catch anything. Anybody ever went and tried to win a soul and you couldn't find nobody to win to God? Simon Peter... And his friends are tired. They fished all night and haven't caught anything. Two things I want us to get. First, sometimes nothing is a tool to increase capacity. God sometimes will pull back so that you're not reaping the harvest yet. To see if you're willing to go look again. Go fish again. Go try again. Can you look for abundance when you see nothing? Because increased faith is not catching fish on the first try, but willing to go out into the deep again. Secondly, don't get embarrassed if you fish and don't catch anything. And we can allow insecurity to limit our capacity because we're looking for results instead of just obeying the command. There will be seasons of failure. The church, I'm going to tell you now, the river's not going to grow like it has the last three years. And what I mean by that, is it will long term. But guys, we baptized almost 300 people in three years. At some point, God's going to say, okay, you're going to go look again. You're going to go out to the deep again. There will be seasons of failure. But you got to embrace it, but also don't stop fishing because of it. Let me give you two verses that changed my life 1 Corinthians 3 6 through 7. Paul said, I have planted. Polish watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. I don't have time to complain about the outcome because only God can decide that. I've just got to go fishing. I've got to plant some seed in the ground. I've got to water it. I've got to do what I'm called to do. And this, God spoke to me years ago. And, And literally... I've learned to pastor like this. What what do you mean? This is what I mean. You people don't belong to me. You're not Josh Payne's people. You're Jesus Christ's people. That's who you are. And this is what I've learned. If I'm learning how to catch, I've got to learn how to release. So Josh, when you come to this church, come closer. I don't pastor you like this. You know how I pastor? Because I trust That you are praying and can make the decisions that you need to make. And I can't control the harvest anyway. All I can do is be willing to do what God has called me to do. I don't preach to grow a big church. I preach because one soul is valuable. And I've got to learn how to fish even when things aren't going my way. And I've got to learn to release. If you came to me today and said, hey, I'm leaving the river. I'd be like, yeah, love you. See you in town. Hug my neck. God, I ain't got time. I ain't got time. We're at the end of time. Literally, prophecy is being fulfilled. It's the end time, and I don't have time to chase people that don't want to be a part of what God is doing. I've got to go fishing for people that are desperate. They're begging somebody, "Can you help me? I want to get out. I've been struggling. It's been a mess in my life." We're going to go fishing we've got to enjoy to f- enjoy fishing Luke 5 5 through 8 and I'm done and Simon answered master we taught all night and we took nothing but at your word I will let down the nets and when they had done this they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they begin to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Oh, you'll never be satisfied stuck on the shore because you're scared of what's in the deep. And you'll never be satisfied if you have some failure in your life and things aren't going. Listen, living for God doesn't go all all the time like I want it to go. But I got to get to the deep. I can't be satisfied just sitting on the shore. I don't care how empty last year was. You've got to take the limitations off. And you've got to say, God, this year is the year that you do mighty things in my life. the last lines of one of Edgar Guest's poems says this there are thousands to tell you it cannot be done there are thousands to prophesy failure there are thousands to point out to you one by one the dangers that wait to assail you but just buckle in with a bit of a grin just take off your coat and go to it and just start to sing as you tackle the thing that cannot be done and you'll do it we're good.